In our studies in the life of Hezekiah, we're coming this morning to consider the closing events of the life of this good man. The Word of God in the main highlights four challenges or four crises that features in the life of this king of Judah. And we have spent some time, considerable time, uh, working our way through each one of those four uh, crises and considering them, what the Lord has to say about them in his word and seeking to uh, glean that which I trust was for our own benefit and profitable to us in our walk with God and in our growth in grace as well. But that is not all that is said in the scriptures about this man, Hezekiah. Way back at the beginning of our studies, I did say that uh, he was mentioned quite a number of times throughout uh, the Word of God in a number of books. And we have been uh, majoring upon Second uh, Kings, Second Chronicles, and the book of Isaiah, but there's some other references as well to Hezekiah in some other scripture books as well. But there's some other things that the Word of God has to say about this good man, uh, and we want to consider those before we complete our studies in the life of Hezekiah. And that's what brings us then to these two verses at the close of these two chapters. So Second Kings 20, the last two verses there, Second Chronicles chapter 32, and the last two verses there. In both of those portions, there are details given about uh, the latter days of uh, King Hezekiah. And that's what we want to come and dwell upon. Now that is a subject that we do well to contemplate our latter days. It is important to end well. Ending well is, is more important than even beginning well. Now it's important that we have a beginning in the Christian walk, Christian life. We have to come to know Christ as Saviour. There has to be that experience of the new birth. We have to be born from above. And just as we had a beginning physically and there was a day for our physical birth, so there has to be a day for our spiritual birth. And there's a beginning for our spiritual life and our spiritual walk with God. But we can stumble and maybe not get off to the best of starts. But it's not so much how we begin that is important. It is how we end that is important. Ending well is very, very important for the child of God. It ought to be something that we consider. It ought to be something we put great importance upon. That as our life progresses and we become more and more conscious that our days are are, are numbered in this world and who knows how many days any of us have. Uh, today could be the last day for any of us on this scene of time. And but... But taking things in their own, taking things as, as the Lord has said that uh, man is given uh, three score years and ten and sometimes more than that. But as you think about your life progressing and as you go through the years and certainly as you get older, is there not need for us to, to think about this particular matter? How am I going to end my days? Am I going to end well? Or am I going to fizz out in some ways? We, we need to end well. And certainly when we come to think about the life of Hezekiah, we can say about this man that he ended well. And that's, that's what's important at the end. When we come to the conclusion of our days, to those latter days of our life, to be able to say we're ending well, that we're pressing on, that we're seeking to live for the Lord, we're seeking to honour the Lord. 
Oh, better to end our days well than to end our days with a shadow over us. A shadow that remains even after we're gone. And there's that reminder of how we ended our days. We weren't as bright for the Lord as we once were. We didn't live for the Lord as once we did. We weren't out and out for Christ as once we were. It would be sad to end our days in such a a way, a shadow like that, over us. Even worse, if it was to be marked by disobedience. Marked by a turning away from the Lord that was very obvious to anyone that knew us that there's not the same obedience, not the same devotion, not the same following after the Lord that once there was in earlier days. How tragic that would be if that was to be how we would end our days. So it's a subject that we do well to contemplate. And that's what I want us to to do today. And um, it will take us more than just this uh, message, this study this morning to do that as we think about Hezekiah. Because there's a number of matters here that the Lord points out with regards to Hezekiah that I believe have got an application to you and I. and, And we can think about as we press on in our lives and even as uh, we get to our latter days and, and we th- give thought to, well, how am I going to end my days? I trust as we notice some of these matters uh, that in the life of Hezekiah that they will indeed have an application uh, to us. In writing about the righteous man in Psalm 92, this is what the psalmist had to say in verses 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow as a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. Well, I want to challenge uh, each one of us, but certainly those who are a little older uh, today. Are we bringing forth fruit in old age? The older we get, are we bringing forth more fruit? That maturity that there ought to be, is, is it observed in, in our lives as we grow older? And are we bringing forth fruit in old age? Because by the grace of God, we can say that Hezekiah did. And we have been pointing out that he, he was a good man. He, he's not a perfect man. Nobody is. He's just a man subject to like passions like every one of us. But Hezekiah was a good man, a godly man, a man that knew the Lord. And we certainly can say that that he did end well. For all the ups and downs that uh, we have noticed at times and the the stumbles that he made, (coughs) we can still say that here's a man who who ended well. He He brought forth fruit in his latter days. Now he died a relatively young man. By, by any standards, he was 25 years old when he ascended, uh, ascended to the throne of Judah and he reigned for 29 years. And therefore he was dead by the time he was 54. But nevertheless, he was a, an individual who uh, brought forth fruit in old age, in those latter days. And I want to consider this with you. There's two points I want to draw to your attention this morning. One of them here in Second Kings chapter uh, 20 and verse 20. And then the other in Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse uh, 32. So if you have Second Kings there open before you. Second uh, Kings 20. And if you look at verse 20, it's really the opening uh, few lines there of that statement. It says, And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might. I want us to consider, first of all, here, Hezekiah and his might. His might. 
This is something that is emphasized about his latter days. That there was a might about them. Now, interestingly, that, that term, might, is used to describe the days of ten kings that are mentioned in First and Second Kings. If you go way back to First Kings chapter 15 and verse 23, you will find there that this statement is made about Asa. Uh, that there in that verse, First Kings fifteen twenty three, there's mention made about him and his mate, Asa and his mate. And then it goes through a number of different kings, some of them good kings, some of them evil kings. For example, the second one that is mentioned is First Kings 16 and verse 5, Baasha. The third one is Omri. And neither of those individuals were very honourable in the eyes of God. Omri is First Kings 16 verse 27. And then we come to Jehoshaphat, 1 Kings 22, verse 45. And then we come into 2 Kings, and there's six individuals here in, in uh, this sequence of ten kings that have this uh, term used of them. You'll notice that not every king that reigned in, in uh, either in Israel or in Judah, in the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom, had these words used of them. There's only a number of them, ten of them in total. Some of them, I say, were ungodly men. Some of them were good men. For example, Jehu, 2 Kings 10, verse 34. Jehoash, uh, chapter 2 Kings 13, verse 8. Uh, Joash, um, 2 Kings 13, verse 12. Jehoash, 2 Kings 14, verse 15. And then Jeroboam the second. 2 Kings 14, verse 28, and that brings us through to the 10th one here, uh, Hezekiah. So there's a, there's a variety of men. So how, how are we to understand this term then, when it is something that is used of good men and of evil men? Here's a term that is used of, of a godly man like Hezekiah, even others that are mentioned there. Jehoshaphat was, was a good king that is mentioned but then there's some of those men that I've drawn to your attention there this morning. and They were anything but good kings. They were ungodly men. Men who, who served Balaam, some of them. So how is this term used of good and evil men? Well, it's, it's describing some of the accomplishments that they made. And anybody's accomplishment will fall into one or two of those categories. Oh, there's, there's individuals in the world and they accomplish much. They have a might and a strength and a power and it seems as if they accomplish much. But, but what is the character of what they accomplish? Is it honouring to God? Is it honouring to the Lord? Is it in obedience to the word of God? The things that they accomplish. They might have a great influence upon the times in which they live. Again, they can have an influence for, for good or an influence for evil. And sadly, there's plenty of people today in prominent places and they're having an influence not for God and not for good, but they're having an influence for evil and ungodliness. That's the influence that they're bringing to bear. And sadly, we, we live in a day when oftentimes celebrities are wheeled out in order to endorse some kind of an immoral lifestyle. And particular individuals who are known for practicing perversion and, and other sins are, are used to promote and make this acceptable because of the position that they, they hold and the influence that they have upon others. So an individual can have an influence for good 
or an influence for evil. But Hezekiah had an influence for, for good. He made an impact for good. Now it's true that some of his might was manifested in his earlier years as well. Uh, we have thought about some of those things that he did, that great work of reform that he carried on in the nation, how he, by the grace of God, stood against the Assyrians and how the Lord gave him that great victory. And there was a, a, a great um, bringing down of the power of the Assyrians as a result of what happened outside the gates of, of Jerusalem. But surely the word of God here and the way it is expressed in Second Kings chapter 20 and verse 20 would suggest to us that here is a, is a man who even in his latter days had an influence as well. An influence for good. And how, how can we quantify that in the life of Hezekiah? Because it doesn't tell us that in his latter days that he engaged in any conflicts, that he went against any of the surrounding nations and defeated them and conquered these um, armies or con uh, conquered these countries. We, we don't read of anything like that in the latter days of Hezekiah. But I'll suggest this to you, that what we do understand is that no nation attacked Hezekiah in his latter days. During those latter years of his life that the Lord added on, those 15 years that the Lord added on to the life of this man, we do not read in Scripture, in any of the historical accounts, we do not read anywhere about him being attacked by any of those nations round about. So here's where he made his impact. He, he, he made such an impact upon the nations round about in his earlier times that the influence of that carried on for a time afterwards. And is not a good way to have lived, to have accomplished something for God that the benefits and the, the influence of it continues on. Maybe even in older days when our physical strength is not what it once was. Maybe even the opportunities are not as they once were in, in former times. But because of what we did in past times, the benefits of that still roll on and we ourselves and others will benefit from them. And that certainly seems to be the case with, with Hezekiah, that he had a time of peace. And last Lord's Day we thought about that statement that he makes there at the end of verse 19 about peace and truth in his days. Well, there was peace in his days. We don't read of any of these nations coming and attacking Judah or attacking Jerusalem. Hezekiah had enough might to use this term that is here given to us about him, to discourage and to dissuade any of these would-be attackers. He dissuaded any of them from coming against his kingdom, and therefore he did have a time of peace in his latter days. And may you and I be those who, who finish our lives characterized by might, if we, if we want to take that in the, in the New Testament context, think about the words that are given to us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And Paul here is giving this exhortation as he introduces to us the Christian's armor. The Christian is to put on that armor because they are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Even as our, our years advance and if we get to latter, latter days in, in our life, there's still to be a, a strength, there's still to be a might about us. We're still to be pressing on, we're still to live in the victory. It is not to be a feature of the Christian's life that the older we get and the more mature that we might be as a child of God, that somehow that we, we are not strong in the Lord, that we're weak, we're frail, we're sickly as a Christian. No, that's not what is suggested to us there by Paul in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The might of God is to be seen in us. There is to be a power that is in us. And physically our strength may be declining. But spiritually we are to be those who are strong. Spiritually we are to be those who know something of the might of God in our souls and in our lives. Are are we being overcome with the same sins as we were starting out the Christian's life? Are we battling with the same sins? Is our our Christian life marked with ups and downs? That we get to those mountaintop experiences, but yet we go down into the valleys as well? Even Jacob moved on from the peaks and the troughs that were in his life. If you think about his life, and sometimes even uh, it's, it's presented like that, there's the great mountaintop experiences, and then he's down into the depths, those times of deception, when he deceived his brother and deceived Laban and, and so on. And then he's back up on the mountain, back down again. But as he got to his, his, later, his latter days, that started to even out. There was more consistency, more consistency. And are we going on with the Lord to such an extent that that our latter days will be characterized by something of the might of God and the power of God in us? Or are we winning the battles against the the world and the flesh and the devil? Or are we weak and being overcome? This man Hezekiah is is here marked by, by might. All the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might. Well, will the rest of our lives, the acts of our lives, be characterized by might that we're strong in the Lord? Have we got settled convictions about the things of God? Or are we still being blown about by every wind of doctrine the older we get? You, you can excuse a younger Christian when... Maybe they're blown about a little bit and maybe they're influenced by, by others. Just maybe they don't know the things of God as well as, as they, they might. Maybe they've only recently come to the faith and therefore some allowance has to be given to a young Christian in that regard and that they, they just don't know these matters and, and they haven't had the, the benefit of experience yet. But what can be said about an older Christian who's blown about by every wind of doctrine? There's no stability in their life doesn't seem to be any strength in their life. They're weak and frail as a Christian. They're sickly. Need to be watched over. Need to be prayed for specifically. Because they're not going on with God. They're not strong in the Lord. You know, how strong are those old cedars in Lebanon who'd grown there on the sides of the mountain for many, many years. And they had put down their roots and they had grown up straight and tall And there they are, clinging to the side of the mountain, mature. Well, Christian, is is there something of that about us? The Bible speaks about the majestic nature of the cedars of Lebanon. 
They were renowned. There was something about them. They were, they were impressive. Well, is there, is there a might about our, about our Christian experience and our Christian lives? Are we strong in the Lord? Are we able to help others? Are we able to support others? How, how can we enable others? How can we support others if we're needing supported ourselves? If we are that weak, spiritually speaking, how can we ever be of benefit to others? And surely the older Christian is indeed to be of benefit to a younger Christian. By example and by counsel and encouragement and conduct, we're, we're, to, we're to be a help along the way. But you and I can never be a help if there's weakness about us, frailty about us. And we know nothing about them, the might and the power of God in our lives as there ought to be. Well, may the Lord make us like, like Hezekiah. May, may we think about this today with regards to our latter days. What, what is the measure of our, of our days? Even, even today, whatever age we are, but certainly the older we get, what is the measure of our days? Is there a strength and a stability, a might about us? So you have reference here to Hezekiah and his might. Now turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 32 and we're going to think about the second of these. And it's verse 32 and it says, Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, his goodness. This is the, the, the point that is emphasized here in Second Chronicles the writer of Second Kings is emphasizing his might. The writer here in Second Chronicles is inspired by the Spirit of God to make mention of his goodness. So the acts of Hezekiah, as his, his days rolled by and his latter years have come upon him of his life, and as he's progressing through those added 15 years to his life, there's something that is here emphasized about him. It is the goodness that there is marked in his life. Now, what, what is involved in that goodness? What, what is being referred to here? Well, the first place to start is to understand a little bit about the word that is translated goodness here. Because more often in our English Bible, it's translated by the word mercy, 149 times. It's translated 40 times by the word kindness, and 30 times by the word loving kindness. Only 12 times is it translated here by the word goodness. So what is entailed here is here is a man whose life had a characteristic of mercy and kindness and loving kindness about it. There, there was something that, that was appealing to this man's life. There, there was a warmth and a, 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 a desire to even have mercy on others and show kindness towards others. There, there was a goodness that was in Hezekiah. Now this is the result of the grace of God in him. And that grace of God is maturing in his life. And there he is bringing forth fruit in old age. And there is this mercy about him, this kindness, this loving kindness, goodness, as it is translated here. That is something that is to be found in the Christian's life. If I can take you over to the New Testament and two references here that, that looks at this matter, well, from two sides, because first of all, it tells us what ought not to be there, and then it tells us what ought to be there. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, if you would turn up that portion. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. 
So in those two verses, Ephesians 4, 31, 32, we're told there's certain things that ought not to be about us. They're to be put away. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, all malice. Those are things, Christian, ought not to be in our lives at all. There's to be no toleration of those things at all. And if we find bitterness or wrath or anger or clamor or evil speaking or malice in our hearts, then we ought to go a work by the grace of God against it and seek to root it out. It ought not to be there. Rather, it says, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Well, is that what is being suggested here with regards to Hezekiah when the writer in Second Chronicles 32 speaks about the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness? Is it talking about a man who had a tender heart? You see, there's sometimes... Maybe we, we grow older and we get a little, a little more cynical about life. The tender-heartedness seems to go. But that, that ought not to be in a, in a Christian. We ought not to grow into an old, cynical individual, complaining and full of bitterness. That ought not to mark us. And from what is suggested here, with regards to Hezekiah, it didn't, it didn't characterize this man of God. And Christian, don't let it characterize you or I either at any stage in our life. And certainly, as we're growing older, if you go over a little further to another uh, verse, Colossians chapter 3 this time, verses 12 and, and 13, here, here's it put again. Uh, as Paul writes to the church at Colossae, he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any. Well, here are the things that we're to put on. Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Is that what is entailed here in this statement with regards to Hezekiah? Here's a man away in Old Testament times and the scriptures emphasizing the goodness of God that was at work in him. Well, is there something of that in us? Are there bowels of mercies? Are we merciful individuals? Or is there a kindness about us? A meekness? Do we show long-suffering? Do we forbear one another, forgive one another? Are these the things that mark us as... We grow older, or is it the bitterness, and clamor, evil speaking, malice? Oh, how, how opposite these are one from the other. And there's an exhortation here. Put these things away, put these things on. There are certain things we're to put away from us, have nothing to do with. There's other things that we are to have. Bring, put them on. Wear them like a garment upon us. Let others see that there is. It's not a mark of weakness. To manifest these things. Well, there might be some in the world, and that is how they look at it. They think it's a, it's a mark of weakness to, to manifest these characteristics. It's not a mark of weakness. It's a mark of godliness. It's a mark of Christ-likeness. Hezekiah had a Christ-likeness about him in old age. And may we indeed have a Christ-likeness about us. This is a most necessary grace to have in our lives Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, it says there, And I myself am also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness. That's what Paul had to write to those Romans. And Paul didn't say things that he didn't believe in, that he wasn't convinced of. He, he wasn't buttering them up. He wasn't just wanting them to, to think good of them and, and in turn 
Think good of Paul. No, he says, I am persuaded of you, my brother, but ye are also full of goodness. Well, that was said of Hezekiah. Can it indeed be said of us? Can it be said of us? Goodness is one of the the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, we read there about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And therefore it ought to indeed be manifest in our lives. Remember this, that Hezekiah was a recipient of goodness. He received the goodness of God. The Lord was good to him. The Lord was gracious to him. The Lord was merciful to him. We, we have ample opportunities over this last little while to, to think about a number of different examples where the Lord was merciful to Hezekiah, where the Lord was gracious to this man. He stumbled and he fell, but the Lord was gracious. The Lord picked him up and got him on the way again. Remember his testimonies a little while ago now that we looked at it. Isaiah 38 verse 17, out of that portion that he was giving his testimony. And it says there, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Oh, Hezekiah was conscious that he indeed had received mercy from the Lord. He was the object of the Lord's loving kindness. It's interesting that in that portion Isaiah chapter 38, if you look at it, one of the early verses, Hezekiah testified that he would go softly all his days. And we looked at that phrase at the time, and we're not going to go over that again now, but surely this has a bearing upon what we're thinking about now. Here, here's a man who in his past had received goodness, who was conscious of it, who has borne testimony, and who even said, as a result of being on the receiving end of goodness and long suffering and mercy, I'm going to go softly all the the rest of my days. I'm going to walk circumspectly. And he keeps his word. That's exactly what is said about him in his latter days. He was a man marked by goodness. There was a loving kindness about him. He was a merciful man to deal with. When he said, I'm going to go softly all my days, that's exactly what he did the rest of his days. He went softly. He lived in the light of the Lord's mercy toward him. And in return, he was merciful to others. Do we keep our word? Do we keep our promises we've made to God in the past? At various times in our lives, have we made promises? We told the Lord we'd do this or that. Maybe we were in a difficult set of circumstances and We made promises to the Lord. Lord, if you help me, if you deliver me, I'll do this or that. Well, Christian, have we kept our promises? Or are there promises we've made that we haven't kept? We've forgotten them and they've come back to mind today. Hezekiah kept his word. He said, I'll go softly all my days. And that the testimony of the Spirit of God is that at the end of his days, looking back over those latter years, it says, and all the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness. Here's a man who manifested something of the goodness that he had received from the Lord. He manifested it towards others. That, that concept of reciprocation is found in those two uh, portions in the New Testament that I drew your attention to. In Ephesians 4.32, if you were looking them up, you'll know that I missed out a little bit at the end of each of those two verses. 
For example, in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Here's the idea of reciprocation. We are to have a forgiving, gracious spirit. We are not to be bitter and hold grudges against a particular individual. That's wrong in and of itself. What is even wrong in another sense is because that is not how the Lord has dealt with us. The Lord has forgiven you and I. And therefore, because he has forgiven you and I freely and completely and undeservedly, then you and I ought to have a forgiving spirit. The Christian ought not to be somebody who carries grudges and doesn't forgive. What if the Lord had dealt with you and I in that way and had not forgiven us and carried a grudge? No, we're told there in Ephesians 4, 32, we're to forgive others as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then the same is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, And forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It's even stronger there in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. So also do ye. As the Lord has dealt with us, so we are to deal with others. Well, that's, that's what you find in the life of Hezekiah. God dealt with him mercifully. And he's testified to that. And he said, I'll go softly the rest of my days. And the, the Spirit of God testifies. He did indeed show this characteristic of goodness. Goodness is better than greatness. Let's finish off with that thought today. Goodness is better than greatness. There's individuals in the world today who are renowned for their greatness. Or there are individuals who have died and left the scene of time, but they're remembered for their greatness, not their goodness. Well, God doesn't command you and I to be remembered for greatness, but rather you and I are to be remembered for goodness. The child of God ought to be remembered for their goodness, the grace of God in us as it was in Hezekiah and If anyone speaks about us when we're gone or even when we're alive in their latter days, they ought to be able to say there's something about that person. There's a goodness about them. Goodness is better than greatness. How do we know that? Well, you only have to think about the example that is given in the Word of God and that will prove the point. It was not God's greatness that he revealed to Moses when Moses sought to behold his glory, but it was his goodness. Remember that prayer of Moses, show me thy glory, that he prayed to the Lord. And in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 19, you find the Lord's answer. It's the previous verse where you find Moses' request, show me thy glory. The next verse, this is what the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. That was the Lord's reply. So when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory, the Lord didn't show him his greatness. He could have. He could have showed Moses his greatness. He could have shown that he was the eternal God, Jehovah, the I Am. He could have showed his greatness to Moses at Mount Sinai. But no, he said to Moses, I will show you all my goodness. That's my glory. I'll show you all my goodness. And the the verse goes on, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And there's this connection between goodness and the showing of mercy and being gracious of spirit. 
The Lord says, I will show you my goodness. I will make all my goodness pass before you. Goodness is better than greatness. And do not strive to be great. Do not strive to be remembered for being great. Oh, let us strive to be remembered for being good. The goodness of God was in us. It has been said the world has enough greatness but not enough goodness. And how true that is. How better the place this world would be if there was more goodness. How better this church would be if there was more goodness among the people of God. May we strive for goodness. May we be remembered for goodness. There's another man in in the scriptures I want you to turn over in closing who was marked by goodness and remembered for goodness. Turn over to Judges chapter 8. Thinking here of Gideon. Judges chapter 8, very last verse of that chapter, and it's referring to uh, the life of Gideon. It says, Neither showed they kindness to the house of Zerubbabel, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Gideon was known for showing goodness. Now, Gideon was no weakling. As we know, Gideon had led the armies of Israel against the Midianites. And had accomplished a great victory. But here is a man who the Spirit of God marks out for goodness. And it's an indictment upon those that he left behind. That they showed not kindness towards his house. According to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. The people of Israel forgot Gideon. And didn't show kindness towards him. But he had shown goodness towards them. He exposed his life to danger for their sake. He had delivered them, as I say, from the hand of the Midianites. He had administered justice among them. He had protected them and secured their liberties. He had left them in a quiet and peaceable uh, situation. He had done all of this. They forgot him. And they forgot his goodness. But whether our goodness is remembered or not, let it be the mark of us. Let it be, as it is said here of of Hezekiah all the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness Christian let us live not to be great but to be good